0: Well, thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Frank. So glad that you're watching today as we talk about that soul revolution. There was something just magnetic about Jesus that drew people towards him. And yet, at the same time, pushed people away from him. You see, because there was this authority that was just resident in Jesus that either drew you towards him or repelled you away from him. And at the end of, of the last week's sermon in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, we have the Pharisees and the Herodians gathering together, plotting to assassinate Jesus. But remarkably, we come to, the, to verse 7, and then we see Jesus in the midst of this crowd, a large group of people. I'm not sure what you think about crowd. Crowds are, you know, can be good. They can be bad. Sometimes, if you're in a stadium and it's your team and they're winning, and there's all these people around you, there can be the excitement of a crowd. Maybe you've been in a concert, you know, with your best, your favorite musician, and there you are in the, you know, in the massive outdoor or indoor stadium and listening to the concert, and everyone is cheering and holding up their phones, and you know, there's an excitement of that type of crowd. But there's also like those negative crowds, crowds like crowds you'd find, you know, lining up, you know. I don't know, you know, in a mall or the other day I took my kids to the ski hill and there was this huge lineup for the ski lift. And that was not a fun crowd, you know. And, and if you watched, you know, hockey, you know that when Vancouver lost, there was this, all these crowds downtown Vancouver doing crazy things. You can't trust a crowd. And as we'll find today, too, soul revolution doesn't happen when you just go with the crowd. Jesus invites us beyond the crowd experience into something more intimate and close. Some of you may be attending church and thinking, I'm in with Jesus because I'm in the crowd, but, but Jesus calls us to something more than that. You're like, well, I go to stuff. I, you know, I, I'm kind of in, in, in the in the rhythm. It's more to that than just being with the crowd. Jesus invites us to more than that. And so we find this in two stories here, Mark chapter three, verse seven to 19. Jesus continues his ministry, and we find him with the crowd there. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, then Jesus went away with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan River, and around Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude came to him when they heard about the things he had done. Mark is pointing out to us that as Jesus continues to just be Jesus, cleanse lepers, heal sick people, cast out unclean spirits, you know, heal a withered hand. I mean, the word is getting out there and people are streaming in, not just from the immediate area. It's not just his neighbors and his buddies in that little Galilean enclave. I mean, it is stretching out. You know, over 100 kilometers away, people are streaming in across the Jordan River. And he uses these geographic locations just to tell you that this is the the way the kingdom works. It has this effect, and Jesus will talk in parables about this later, that the the kingdom just kind of spreads and spreads and spreads, and people are coming. But the key that Mark draws our attention to there in verse 8 is that they came because they heard about the things he had done. There was a sensationalism to Jesus. Not that Jesus sought that. But there was an excitement to what Jesus was doing that attracted the crowd. The question we have to ask is, were they there for the right reasons? I mean, sometimes we follow Jesus because of what we want to get from Jesus that we think that Jesus is just there to, to kind keep, keep, of you know, keep our pockets filled and, and, and our, our stomachs satisfied, and, and there's more to Jesus than that. But this crowd gathers around because they want to experience what Jesus has done. Now remember, read back in Mark chapter one, Jesus said, I came to preach the message of the king, repent and believe the good news. You know, you know, and, 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 and here, they're not coming to hear him preach they're coming because they heard what he had done i had a little dog when i was in grade school my one of the girls in my class her dog had puppies and she brought them to school and i was like that is awesome and i went home and i said mom can we get a dog dad can we have a dog and Finally, they, they, you know, acquiesced, and I brought this dog home. We'd already lost the dog. We lived in the, in the bush, and that dog had disappeared, so it was a little risky, and they didn't want to go through that again. But anyway, I brought this little dog home. I named him Rascal. Cute little blonde puppy, and he ran around and was lots of fun. But he was not intended to be an inside dog, and so we put him outside. He didn't like being outside, so we'd bark all night. Neighbors would call my dad and say, Your dog is barking. He's like, I know. You know and it was, it, was, you know, it was not exactly what you'd call a... A good dog, you know. He also liked to just take off, disappear, run, you know. And where is Rascal? I don't know, you know. Where is he? He's gone, you know. So he wasn't exactly, you know, for a, a little boy, just my childhood companion, you know what I'm saying. But one day as I was kind of, he was around, we were playing, I noticed that as long as I kept throwing him little kibbles, little bits of dog food, he'd stick around. And so I said, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I, I, I filled up my pocket full of dog food. And, and Rascal and I went on an adventure. And we, we just wandered through the bush. And every, you know, 50 yards or so, I'd throw out a little dog biscuit. And he'd, you know, keep following me along, keep following me along. Keep, you know, it was, it was great. It was like the boyhood dream. You know, me and my dog experiencing the bush together, you know, adventuring. And, and then my pocket got empty. I can still remember. I was on the ridge. We were heading down towards the lake. We had, you know, explored all sorts of unique places together. And the pocket was empty. And Rascal stuck around for a little while until he realized that there was no more kibbles coming. And all of a sudden I turned around and the dog was gone. And sometimes you know, people do that with Jesus, you know. They're with Jesus as long as they feel like there's kibbles getting thrown their way and, and you know they'll stick with Jesus as long as there's some benefit for them. And, and Jesus came to offer us more than kibbles. It's not external that he's coming to really... He wants to deal with the internal realities, that soul revolution. And here's the crowd, and they're looking for the kibbles. The kibbles, the kibbles, give us the kibbles, give us the kibbles. It says in verse 9, Jesus knows how to handle the crowd. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so the crowd would not press toward him. (laughs) I mean, literally, it, they would not crush him. I mean, they're just pressing, they're pushing, they're squeezing, and he's like, come on. You know, Jesus had an escape plan. Jesus was not enamored or stupefied by the crowd. He recognized their needs. He wanted to minister to them at a deeper level. He doesn't kick them away, but he says, look, I got an escape plan. If this gets crazy, I'm out of here. I mean, Jesus came because he loved people. And he wants to bring transformation into our lives. But in this moment, as the crowd pushes, they're just looking for that kibble, looking for that help. They want to get healed, and and they're pushing, they're crushing. I mean, if you've ever been in a crowd that's gone crazy or doesn't know what's going on, maybe it's in a crisis or you're trying to exit a building quickly or something, it's pandemonium. It's frightening. And Jesus says in verse 10 that he had healed many for he healed many so that all who were afflicted with diseases pressed towards him in order to touch him. I mean, they're, they're trying to get to Jesus and experience that, that power and, and, the, and the, the healing. And, and although it's interesting that, that Jesus just didn't have this sort of impersonal force that you, if you touched him, you suddenly got well. The people that get healed by Jesus are people that come in faith. I mean, Mark 5, there's a story of a, of a lady, Jesus walking through this crowd and all of a sudden he's like, whoa, who touched me? You could feel the power go out from him. And, 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 you know, and everyone's like, oh, what, what, what happened? And this woman comes forward, yeah, I touched you, you know. And she's got this problem and this disorder. And, and when she came to Jesus and touched him, she's healed. And, and Jesus says to her, woman, your faith has made you well. It's not just this resident power that you sort of touch it and boom, you're, you're better. You got to believe in Jesus. And there's the crowd press, pressing in on Jesus. And we would look at this and say, wow, Jesus is a smashing success. Look at all the people. But this is not why Jesus came. He did not come to create a popularity movement, to build up his social media profile. (laughs) He came to do more than that. And it says in verse 11 and 12, as Jesus is is encountering the crowd, with the crowd comes all sorts of riffraff and spiritual riffraff. It says in verse 11, whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he sternly ordered them not to make him known. So here's this crowd. People are pushing him. He's got the boat there. He's ready to take off. People are trying to get healed. And then all these you know, people with demons are, are, are falling down and confessing who he is. I mean, it's, Mark is giving us a twist of irony here. The crowd doesn't seem to know who Jesus is, they just know he, what, what he's done but the demons sure do. And they're trying to draw attention, trying to distract from his mission, distract from the kingdom. Jesus doesn't let them take the center stage. He just, you know, they're they're done. You see, the holy presence of Jesus, like I said in previous sermons, is like shining a, a flashlight or turning a bright light on a room full of cockroaches, right? They're just spreading, right? The demons, with the holiness of Jesus, the very presence of God on the earth, it's just causing all the uncleanness to become evident. And in the light of Jesus' glory, these demons are just falling down and confessing who he is. But you'll notice the crowd isn't doing that. The crowd puts a lot of pressure on us. You understand that. It's not just teenagers that struggle with peer pressure, but it's pretty pertinent in that period of your life, too, where you just feel pressure to dress a certain way. To talk a certain way. To behave a certain way. To go to certain places. To comb your hair or not comb your hair certain ways. I mean, mean, that's what the crowd does for you. I mean, millions of people are employed just gauging the crowd and so determining what what does the crowd want, you know. Political parties have people that are dedicated to, to polling and determining what the opinion of the crowd is. It guides the commercials you see on television and even it's the underlying messages within the sitcoms that you watch or the reality shows that are on TV. I mean, the crowd is is influencing all of this. And for the follower and the believer in Jesus Christ, Mark reminds us that, that we need to step outside the crowd and take a step towards Jesus and that will bring us perspective. But of course, Jesus doesn't, Just walk away from the crowd. He's healing people. He's casting out unclean spirits. He is there for the crowd, even at New Life and at every church, you know. A crowd will come, and that's okay. It's great to worship in a crowd, but but then we want to take you beyond the crowd into the company of the committed, into that soul revolution where you come to discover Jesus Christ. Maybe today some of you are going to take that step to go from, a, from an onlooker to being a participant, to leave the stands and enter the playing field, to come and to know Jesus more than just from, from afar and, and watching what he's done, but actually knowing him as your personal savior, your Lord, your leader of your life, and be a part of his kingdom and let him be the king in your life. Because what happens after this is a complete contrast in verse 13. It says, Jesus went up the mountain and called for those he wanted, and they came to him. Jesus gets away from the crowd. He's like, that's it. Okay, I've, I've done my thing down there. Now it's time to, to get down to the soul revolution. I need to work on, on, on what's really important, and that's the establishing and the, the building up of, the, of this life-transforming message, which is not just gonna come through me, but it's gonna come through these key Followers of mine and then through the ones that they disciple and the ones they disciple in this movement, it's going to spread across the whole world. But Jesus starts small. It says he called for those he wanted. Jesus calls and it says, and they came to him. So so we see that, that there's two ways working here. Jesus is calling and people are responding to the call. Jesus invites you into relationship with him. He invites you to follow him. He invites you into into active service and involvement in his kingdom. But we then take the step and, and answer to that call. We respond to the invitation. No one can do it for you. You need to personally take that step and say, yes, Jesus, I will come to you. And this is important. And here he has these disciples and says in verse 14, he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they would be with him and he could send them to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. And, you know, two little verses, but you gotta see what's in there. The first thing, and this, this, this ties in with, with our church mission statement, which is to move up and out a new life in Jesus Christ. He invites these apostles, these disciples, to be with him, to move up, into a meaningful, significant relationship with him. Come be with me. Before he could send them out and before they could, you know, cast out demons and do ministry in the kingdom names, you first need to learn what it means just to rest and be in relationship with me. Come close and let's learn life together. Let me teach you what it means to follow me and to be connected to God in relationship. And we believe in moving up and moving out in new life in Jesus Christ. But before we can move out, we need to move up. We need to find a connection with God. It's inviting Jesus to be a part of every aspect and moment of your life. You know, sometimes we, we think there's a shortcut for these kind of realities. I mean, think about it on the earthly plane if you're you're married, your spouse wants to spend time with you. That doesn't mean that you you set a timer and you sit down for 15 minutes and and it's over. It means that they just want you to be with them in the moment. And what that means, is it means you're listening to them and you're you're, you're connecting with them in, in a real way. I remember as a young dad, I went to the school, they had a special event for dads and kindergarten students. And I had one of my kids and we were wandering around. It was a one hour event, only one hour. There was three little stations. You went here, you went there, you went there. 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. There were 15, I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't a huge commitment. And there we were, a bunch of dads wandering around the halls together, shifting classrooms, doing this little connection time with our kids. And and it was it was great, well, you know, great, you know, wonderful. But but what really stunk boy. We're walking from one classroom to the gym, and there I see these dads walking along. Their little kid is in their shadow, and they're on their blackberries. That was a few years ago. They're on their blackberries, you know, you know, texting away. You know, I'm like, honestly, you couldn't give your son or your daughter an hour of your time? I dedicated a, a baby in a house. I do this for families that don't go to church, but, and it's an opportunity to talk about how children are a gift from God. And. And This mom was getting ready. You know, she's like, "Yeah, in a couple months, I got to go back to work." And she's like, yeah, yeah, "I don't really want to, but I want to give my kids the best life ever." You know, and that course meant, you know, all the toys and the holidays and this and that. And I'm like, "The best life ever might be for you to follow your heart and actually to just be with your kids." And Jesus, is like, "I want you to be with me." We in the Western world, you know, we define our value by our productivity. How much can you get done? Are you doing the right things? And is guilt and shame and you know obligation and pressure and and Jesus is like, I'm, I'm get out of that and just come be with me. The opportunity for mission and ministry will come, but let's just get to know each other. Come and discover my love, my care, my compassion, my justice. My holiness. Come learn from me. And the story of the Gospels is essentially that journey of the disciples with Jesus, walking with him, seeing him, you know, playing with him, eating with him. I'm sure times Jesus was like, oh man, if only I could just get away from these guys for a little while. But there they are, staying with him, teaching him, teaching him. When I first came to Lloydminster in 1995 as an intern at a different church, um, the pastor, Pastor Mike and Darlene, actually took me into their home as part of my internship, I lived with them. And that was a very risky thing because, I mean, I got to see them, see them parent their kids, you know, see everything going on. But it was, it was them, you know, training and, and, and showing me their lives and, and loving me and helping me to become the leader that I am today. And so, so here's Jesus, like, come with me. Jesus totally steps away from the crowd and steps into the living room. He steps into the coffee table and, and with. Cups and saucers, you know, or, you know, wraps or whatever they're eating. I mean, he's like, let's get close and, and discover one another. And you can discover me moving up in new life in Jesus Christ. Now, maybe at some point you said a prayer or you did some kind of religious thing that kind of that forgave your sins, you acknowledge you're a sinner, but, but you don't really understand, man, like, actually, I can actually have this, like, relationship, this companionship with God. Yeah, that's what Jesus is inviting you to He's like a buddy, like not, not in like a buddy-buddy, but like he cares for you, loves you, he's looking out for you, he wants you to know him. Moving up in new life in Jesus Christ. But not only that, once you are with him, then he's able to send you, to mobilize you, to empower you. I mean, some people love Jesus and want that up thing, but they just they forgot that there's an out part of that too. Those that know Jesus and spend time with Jesus, as a result, just want to tell others about Jesus. I mean, if you've had a great experience somewhere, Chances are you're going to tell someone about it. Man, you know that restaurant downtown? It's awesome. Or, you know, you know, they, you know I went to the gym, and boy, they had this new thing there, or the pool, or the water slide, whatever it is. You're telling people about it. I bought this electronic device. It's great, you know. And can you imagine knowing Jesus in such a way that you just can't help talking about it to others? I'm not like saying, this is not a guilt like, oh, you should be witnessing all the time. I'm just saying, when you're with Jesus, it just comes out in natural and ways into the conversation and people see it in your life. But Jesus is like, I want you to be with me so that I can send you to preach. Not to do crazy things and to draw the crowd with sensationalism, but to bring the soul-transforming message, the soul-revolution message of how you can connect with God at the, your deepest level. And then that has an effect on your outward life. But Jesus is looking past, like, your sickness, your symptoms, and all those, those physical things that, that, that catch you and distract you. He's like, yeah, I, I can help you with that. But really, the, the help you really need is that deep help. And I'm gonna, you're going to be with me, and then I'm going to send you out to help those that need to discover that message as well. And understand, with that sending, I'm giving you my very authority with you. Jesus would say at the end of Matthew's gospel, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's like, I've been authorized, now I'm authorizing you, and you now go in my name with the full authority that comes with my name. And so you read the book of Acts, and I mean, they're encountering people with unclean spirits, and and Paul's like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave her. And boom, the demon's gone. Why? Because they have the authority of Jesus, the kingdom authority of Jesus resident with them as they've spent time with Jesus. Now they've been sent out by Jesus and they have the very power of Jesus. Satan can't touch you when you belong to Jesus. And Jesus would say later, you know, in in Matthew's gospel, you know, I'm gonna build my rock upon this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What does that mean? It means like the message of the kingdom spreads into the darkest areas of our world and and nothing can stop it. Why? Because of the power of who Jesus is and the fact that we've spent time with him and we're sent by him and we're empowered by him. We have nothing to be afraid of. And it's said in verse 16 that he appointed 12 To Simon he gave the name Peter. To James, his brother, and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee, he gave the name Blandres, which means son of thunder. I probably didn't pronounce that right. (laughs) And Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. He appointed these men. That's the same word where he says, I will make you fishers of men. I will appoint you fishers. I mean, he appoints these men. And we look at this list, and it's it's a diverse list. I mean, we got a tax collector, and we got fishermen, and then we got this guy that from the Judean area named Judas, and then we got this zealot. The zealot was this, this you know, fierce nationalistic group that would even kill people for the sake of their, of the, you know, of, of Judaism and Jesus gathers this ragtag, motley crew together and says, this is my group. I will invest in them. We're not told that they had to apply. We're not told that they had any exceptional qualities. But what it does seem is that they were attracted to Jesus and it seems that they had the courage to show they were on his side. They were with him. There's no secret followers of Jesus. You're either with him or you're not. And Jesus takes this group and says, I'm gonna change the world with this group. And sometimes I think you and I, we feel inadequate. I'm ill-equipped. I'm not talented enough. I've got a past. I, you know, this or that. And, and Jesus looks beyond that, and he looks deep into our souls, and he sees what we could be. Don't limit the vision of Jesus in your life by making excuses or finding fault with yourself. He calls the ordinary and leads us to be extraordinary because of him. You may have all sorts of, you know, foibles and faults, but it's amazing how God takes People like that and says, okay, I'm going to expand my kingdom through them. I mean, one of the biggest preachers in Western Canada right now is a guy that has Tourette's. I like, get it. I mean, it doesn't, he's preaching, yeah, and, he, and he, man, he's having an impact, right? God loves that. So you think, man, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Well, you can't, but with Jesus, you can. You can move up and out in mission and ministry in new life in Jesus Christ. And so for some of you. It might be getting out of the stands, getting on the field, and, and just being with Jesus. For others of you, it might be moving past being with Jesus to actually serving in Jesus' name. And notice it's done together, not in isolation. That's the challenge with COVID, but thankfully, the new life, we haven't let that distract us. We have groups meeting. I know others of you are meeting. You're meeting online, but it happens together. We can't do this alone. We connect with Jesus, but then we, together with other disciples, we move forward in his mission together the up and out mission and ministry of Jesus you see our mission statement is based on scripture it's based on the example of Jesus Christ and I'm inviting you to continue to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. I believe this is a contagious message and the kingdom does spread. So as a result, unfortunately, we're gonna grow. And part of growth is that you lose the intimate connection you had with a few people in the church. It gets bigger. You have to make new friends. You have to expand. But we will grow bigger by growing smaller. We will create opportunities for you to connect and grow together and serve together in groups and make a difference in our city. I think the reality of post-COVID will be Believers, followers of Jesus, doing personal ministry with people in your backyard, around your kitchen table. It's you making an effort to connect in in real and personal ways with the people around you. And in that way, having an impact. I mean, Jesus just, he, he had the crowd, but he's like, let's get away from the crowd. And he's like, okay, now let's just get a little smaller. Let's, let's get those 12. And then out of those 12, he had three that he really invested in. Some of these disciples, we have no idea. Like they're, they're not mentioned hardly ever again. We have Doubting Thomas. We got a few other, you know, the casual references, but they're just sort of, they're there. And, and some people will get prominence. Other people will not, but it doesn't matter. As long as Jesus gets the glory and his message goes out. So even if we toil in obscurity, if people come to know Jesus as a result, then it's to the praise of God. And you can be used in that way. And so as a team here, my ministry team, staff, volunteer leaders, the board, we are inviting everyone in new life. Like, yeah, we're, let's keep moving up and out in the mission and ministry of Jesus. And part of that's going to be involving you taking a step towards Jesus taking a step towards others. Other believers in growth and relationships of of encouragement and growth. And those that don't know Jesus to to help bring them and and share with them the good news about Jesus. But none of this is possible if you have not experienced that soul transformation. That soul revolution in your own heart. Being with Jesus. There's a lot of things we can't do right now. (laughs) But one thing you can do is be with Jesus. So don't... Don't lose this opportunity to draw near Jesus, even in COVID, and and draw near a few other followers of Jesus and grow in this season that we are in. And we will look forward in anticipation to how God can use a diverse, crazily mixed group of people like the people at New Life to advance the gospel and the kingdom in our city and beyond. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you for your, your word. And this word reminds us of how Jesus invites us to be with him. And may we each find the time and the desire to do that even in this coming week. May we have the desire to connect with one another and to reach out to each other in relationship and support and encouragement, spiritual encouragement. May we be so filled with the glory of Jesus that we would naturally without coercion, just share it with those that you bring into our lives. At the store, at the gym, in our neighborhoods, at our schools. And Lord, we pray that you would grow your church, not just New Life, but every church in our city, as we all share this wonderful message of new life in Jesus Christ. And so bless each person watching this recording. May they be responsive to your word and to your Holy Spirit as a result of listening to this message. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I just want to reiterate like we do every week. We are here. If you'd like to talk to us, you can call the church. You can email us. You can contact us via the website. We'd love to hear from you. Someone from the church family will get back to you If you need support or prayer or whatever it is, just please reach out to us. And for those of you in the church family, reach out to one another. Support each other in this season that we are in. And we look forward to Easter when we can be together and celebrate the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. So may God bless you as you move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ.